What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host this week. My name is Brad Roland, and joining me apparently now, as always, again, uh, his name is Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, maybe as always. We'll see how much I like talking to you every Sunday, Brad. But here again for the uh, second week in a row. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do with this hosting situation going forward. Kind of new ground for us, but uh, we'll figure it out, I think. For sure. I am I got fairly comfortable hosting. Uh, you can people, people will probably prefer your hosting abilities to mine, but uh, alas, I, don't know about I can do this. I can do this and we're, we're here again. Uh, unlike last week, there isn't like, you know, just outrageous breaking news to talk about this mm. week. There was a couple of little things that happened, so it will not be as newsy uh, as the couple the last couple of weeks. The winter meetings are over. Um, that does not mean the Braves can't do crazy things because we've seen with John Coppolella and company, they're willing to do crazy things. But the winter meetings were kind of quiet for the Braves, which is a bit of a surprise to most people, including myself, I would say. But uh, the one move that did happen is that Tyrell Jenkins is no longer a member of the Braves organization. Uh, he and 25-year-old left-hander Brady, is it Feigl? I think it's Feigl. Uh, you can correct me in a second if I'm wrong. I'm never going to correct you on names after my Jaime, Rodri- or Jaime Garcia gaffe last week. So we'll That's fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jenkins and Brady Feigl to the Texas Rangers for uh, Luke Jackson. Uh this is kind of an interesting trade because Jenkins was a guy who people seemed to like when they got when the Braves acquired him in the Shelby Miller trade, but has kind of fallen out of favor with somebody that I am not super high on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the trade in a minute, but but your boy Mark Bowman of MLB.com actually reported this week after the trade that the Braves were considering just outright releasing Jenkins yeah. to clear a 40-man spot. So getting something for him is nice. What, what was your take on this deal? Uh, initially when the deal happened, I thought it was – pretty fair i feel like it's kind of jenkins stock with the team has really fallen pretty quickly a lot faster than i would have expected correct me if i'm wrong but when he was initially acquired in the jason hayward trade uh that sent him to the cardinals i believe some people were saying jenkins could be a future number two number three starter in a, in a big league rotation is that higher than you saw or my uh i mean it's probably here? it's probably a little higher but like he was definitely supposed to be like a big piece of that deal yeah. like it was he was not a throw-in to be to be yeah, sure he was definitely seen Jenkins, a, yeah as a big time guy for sure so it's it's fallen in a hurry as you said no it definitely has uh, i think once once bowman reported that the braves were thinking about just outright releasing him i think the trade i mean kind of has to automatically be considered a win just because the braves were able to get something for him uh, I think an interesting part of this trade is that on Baseball America's recap of the trade, where they kind of break down what each of the players are about, uh, their headline is Braves land big arm in Luke Jackson. And I think that speaks to uh, how how far Tyrell's stock has fallen and also um, how little I know about baseball, because I don't know about you, but I didn't hear any, I didn't know about Luke Jackson before this trade, but it seems like he's got a, a higher ceiling than... Tyrell, he could at least be a a pretty good bullpen guy with the stuff that he has. He's got a fastball that sits 94-98. He can hum it up to 100 miles per hour at times. Obviously, he's got a little bit of struggles with his command there, but I don't think Tyrell Jenkins has the kind of stuff that can turn him into a good back-of-the-bullpen kind of pitcher ever. So I guess that's something you can kind of hope that Luke Jackson turns into. But what do you think of Luke Jackson, Brett? Yeah, from what I've seen, obviously I'm I'm in, I'm in line with you. I've not seen a ton of him actually pitching, so I don't want to overstate my uh, scouting background here. But you know, reading some things, uh, scouting reports and such, I'm fairly encouraged. Uh, Jenkins was not a guy I thought was going to be able to do much of anything. Uh, not a shot at him. Who is he's apparently a fantastic guy from everybody that I've talked to and heard this week. Um, Eric Cole, for instance, from our staff, really likes Tyrell as a guy, so I'm not trying to kill him. But the lack of strikeout stuff really was something that was a, was a red flag the entire way for me on Jenkins. So to flip him for a guy in Jackson who, listen, Jackson might flame out. That was kind of the consensus I read about this week was that Jenkins, I mean, Jackson is not a uh, sure thing by any means. He's already 25 years old. Uh, he did come up to the majors last year for 11 innings with the Rangers. Things did not go great with a 10.80 ERA in those 11 innings. Again, that's 11 innings. I don't really care about that. And the previous year, he actually pitched fairly well in seven appearances, six innings in 2015. So I'm not scared off too much by that. But the, the control stuff is concerning. He's walked, uh, you know, upwards of five or six guys per nine innings over the last couple of years. That's going to be untenable, even uh, even for a guy who's going to strike out, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 11 guys per nine. Uh, you have to be able to control your uh, stuff better than that. But his stuff is impressive, like you said. The high 90s fastball is something that the Braves can certainly work with in the bullpen. 
And it's a situation where they're basically just taking a chance on a guy in a bullpen role, uh, whereas Jenkins was sort of stuck in that hybrid zone where they tried him in the bullpen last year in a small sample. For me, that was his best chance of being a good, productive major leaguer, but I, I don't think the Braves necessarily fell in love with him there. So to flip him for Jackson, who I think we both – I mean, you already said it has more intriguing raw stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that because uh, I think they, they clearly wanted to open up a spot on the 40-man. That was kind of the, the the big thing with this deal as well is that that was probably the reason why they were thinking about releasing Jenkins. So uh, adding a guy in Jackson could be interesting. And uh, he's kind of – you know, he's kind of been pegged in a couple of interesting spots in terms of po- and prospect rankings. Um, you know, people people have higher opinions of him than I, th- than I seem to at this point. But again, I've not seen him too much – and the fact that he's already 25 is a little concerning in terms of prospect status because mm-hmm. uh, he's not done much at the major league level and he's 25 years old. He's not super duper young anymore, but I kind of like it. It's fine. Yeah. Were you surprised with how quick the the Braves gave up on Jenkins or do you think uh, 26 strikeouts, 33 walks in 52 innings in the big leagues is enough to say, yeah, probably going to pass on this guy? I mean, I was all set on Jenkins, so like I can't blame the Braves because I, I had already given up on him in my mind, to be honest with you. So it's one of those situations where I was a little surprised they bailed on him this, that soon, but like we said with the, with the news that, that Bowman put out there that they were th- thinking about releasing him, that's the signal where like they really gave up on him because he's not that old, and the, and the fact that like they had no reason to, like no serious sense of urgency to go ahead and release Jenkins, so that's definitely a red flag as to uh, what you think he was going to be mm-hmm. doing. And, and Feigl, you know, is kind of a throw-in guy, although apparently people like his stuff. He's, just, he's had a bunch of uh, injury stuff, so apparently he's not a zero throw-in guy. I, I, I meant to ask Eric Cole, our prospect guru, about Brady Feigl, and I didn't, so I apologize for that. I will ch- I, we will check with Eric on this to make sure I'm not mm-hmm. insane, but um, not a pure throw-in. Like He actually could be like a you know like a, like a C-level prospect that could be use- yeah. useful down the line, but not big enough for me to like swing the pendulum, so I'm still okay with the deal, and I think uh, you know, in the aggregate, getting rid of Jenkins and kind of having at least a chance to add a guy like Jackson who could have higher upside is just fine with me. Yeah, Vince Laro Sinisimo with Baseball America says that uh, at his best, Feigl has a solid solid average three-pitch mix with a low 90s fastball, but his ceiling is as a lefty reliever who can try to survive against right-handed hitters as well as lefties. So, Yeah, sure. That's fine. <laughs> that's, that's something. That's a piece. I guess that could be something who's useful in a bullpen, but nothing crazy there if he's able to overcome his injury issues like you mentioned. But uh, yeah, this was... I mean, the one good thing about this trade is that uh, Jenkins gets to go back to Texas. Uh, He came out of Henderson, Texas. So I guess if he's able to make it work with that farm system, then that's kind of nice for him. And as you mentioned, he seems like a great dude. So hopefully he'll be able to uh, latch on with another farm system and kind of figure it out. Um, So best of luck to him in the future. But um, kind of a, a, I'd say a minor trade for the Braves, but something not as big as what uh, the Nationals are doing. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's actually let's just go ahead and get, get to that now. This is actually, you know, we, we don't do a ton of analysis on other teams on this podcast, but because the Nats are pretty clearly the Braves' biggest impediment in the future, in the uh, in the NL East, with apologies to the Mets who have been yeah. pretty good lately, the but the Nats is the most annoying team in the division. Can I put that? Yeah, out there? I mean, the Nats the Nats have the best roster for sure, and, and they the won the most paper World World Series, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, the Mets had more success recently in terms of playoffs, but the Nats are definitely the scarier entity. So we, uh, I did want to talk about the Nats sort of mortgaging their future a little bit this week, going out and trading Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, who people had as their number three prospect, but really Giolito was their number one prospect and a huge pitching prospect in exchange for Adam Eaton. Um, this makes the Nats a lot better in 2017. I would say because Eaton is a very good baseball player. Like he's not uh, worth this return, in my opinion. But this is sort of an all-in move from the Nats, uh, who are not shy about going all-in on things. But if you're the Braves, I think you like this because um, you're more worried about the Nats in 2018, 2019, 2020. And this is certainly a win-now move versus a uh, future-looking move because while Eaton's under control and fairly young for a while here, he certainly does not possess the upside of a guy like Giolito, who is uh, you know consensus top five, top ten prospect in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, like you said, this this kind of is better for the Braves in the long term when, when the Braves should be expecting to compete. Uh, I was kind of shocked with this uh, this kind of package for Adam Eaton. I know Adam Eaton is a guy that a lot of the uh, the sabermetric guys like because of his defense, but I know there's plenty of people who are talking about how uh, Fangraph's war might even overvalue him because of his defensive metrics. 
But uh, it's nice to see that as a Braves fan. Um, I think if you, it's funny. If you look at the White Sox top prospect list, at least on uh, MLB Pipeline, they have Lucas Giolito and Re- Ronaldo Lopez as two and four. And uh, the White Sox basically got their top four prospects in one day after the uh, sale trade and then the Eaton trade. So it's kind of interesting to see how their prospects uh, are shaking up now. But, I mean, that's uh, wild. That's yeah. honestly wild. They, <laughs> they, 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 they completely overhauled their pro system. In a, I guess it was about 36 hours between, mm-hmm. the, between the two trades. But to get the top four guys in the system is pretty nuts, even though we don't really care about the White Sox on this podcast. I like that. What, I, like, I like what they did a lot, and I like what the Nets did a lot less, even though, as you said, Adam Eaton is good. Uh, I actually heard some people comparing him to Jason Hayward mm-hmm. this week, which I thought was interesting and worth talking about here. Um, because of the fact that you know both guys glean a lot of their value, perceived value from defense, I would argue Hayward has a much longer track record of being an awesome defender mm-hmm. in the outfield than Eaton. Uh, Eaton kind of got a bump from moving from center field where he was actually pretty bad defensively in terms of the metrics to a corner spot, which he was apparently awesome this year, which I believe you know he has the tools to be a good defensive outfielder. But um, this, is, this strikes me as a situation where the Nats just traded a guy in Giolito who I'm sure they probably could have gotten more for on the open market than just Adam Eaton. Yeah, I think you make a good point there with uh, Jason Hayward's track record. If you look at just Fangraph's defensive metrics, which I already talked about, might overrate Eaton a little bit. Um, he was a negative defensive player in 2013, 14, and 15. Before the move, he was uh, plus 18 this year. Uh, Jason Hayward was 15.4 this year, but he also has a 16.4 in 2015 and then 17.3 in 2014. So I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, at least moving forward, Jason Hayward's probably, I would still say Hayward's probably the better defender. But I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of data stuff that Darren Willman and uh, Tom Tango with MLB did that showed just how crazy Eaton's year was. So, I mean, he might not be this great of a defender moving forward, but he definitely had a really good defensive year uh, this season. And it's nothing to... Uh, to just point at the numbers and say, okay, this is an outlier. It's not going to happen in the future. Maybe he is going to be really valuable in that position. But um, oh, yeah, he's, he also brought oh, more to the table offensively. So, I mean, that's something the Nationals are going to be counting on as well. He's not just yeah, a defensive I mean, player for sure. Again, like, there's no question at all that he's an upgrade on what they had in yeah. the outfield. So, like, as if you're a Nats fan and you're, and you're, and you're concerned about 2017, you're probably psyched. Um, but I just think the value, the perceived value, like if the Braves had done this trade with the current fan base and the kind of the way we all think, most of us think, if the Braves had done, had done this exact trade, the Nationals did, we would be furious. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, the Nats are on a different timetable, so like it's more defensible for Washington to kind of go all in, all in in a way here by trading their number one prospect yeah, in Giovito. But especially if you uh, you kind of buy into the Bryce Harper rumors we had, I know uh, there's the the Nationals and Harper apparently haven't had any long term talks at this point, but uh, there were some rumors that the Nationals were a little scared when Harper, uh, when they, I guess they found out that Harper was looking for four hundred million, and were kind of scared away from that a little bit. I don't know how much of that is true, but we definitely heard some of that during the winter meetings. Uh, so if you're the Nationals and you don't think you can lock up Bryce Harper in two years, this is definitely your window, and you need to go for it. You haven't really, I mean, you've got to the playoffs a couple of years, but you haven't done much when you've been there, and uh, you can't let a guy like Harper get away without really trying to go for it. So this is definitely the right move for them. Uh, but as a Braves fan, I guess you can be excited that potentially they won't be as loaded when the the Braves are ready to compete. A uh, real quick question, sticking with the Nats: Would you, as a Braves fan, would you rather them have gone Andrew McCutcheon or Adam Eaton? Which which player is more threatening to you as a Braves fan? I guess I'm way more scared of Andrew McCutcheon as a Braves fan. Granted. Eaton was better than McCutcheon this year. There's no question about that. 2016, mm-hmm. McCutcheon had the worst year, really, of his of his entire career. He was um, and looks seven WAR according to Fangraphs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely not a good year for Andrew McCutcheon. I just think, I mean, there's a chance McCutcheon is just done now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at that age where like it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if he just fell off the table. Yeah, he but, just turned 30. Yeah, I mean, which is not not over the hill by any means, but like it's at least. A, a little bit troublesome that he was so bad this season, um, whereas Eaton seems to be on the upswing. But I think McCutcheon's still the more terrifying guy. Um, I, I'd be interested to see if 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 Washington offered this same package to Pittsburgh. I can't imagine that wouldn't have got it done yeah. for Andrew McCutcheon right now because they kind of you know Pittsburgh's kind of loaded in the outfield. That might have been something they were super attracted to. So I can't imagine I can't imagine Washington felt the same way I do because if, I'm, I'm sure they could have gotten McCutcheon with the same package. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. 
I think I'd, if I'm if I'm the Braves, I'd be more scared of McCutcheon at least in the short term. Whereas I guess Eaton long term, you know, he's under control for what three four years now um, at, at a pretty cheap at a yeah, cheap, pretty cheap rate. So 2019. That matters. I mean, three years of, of cheap control on a guy does shoot his price up, as we always say with guys like Julio Tehran. Um, the, the price and stuff matters uh, when it comes to trading for guys. But I don't think Eaton, you know, if Eaton was under control through 2022 or something like some preposterous amount of time at cheap, a cheap deal, then maybe. But, you know, three years is, is valuable, but I don't know. I think, I, I think I'd be more scared of McCutcheon. So on, on that front, I guess you're probably happy if you're the Braves, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's weird. They're two very different players. They're two very different players. It kind of speaks to what you're afraid of because Percussion obviously has a much longer track record as a hitter, whereas Eaton I think is a safer defender. But uh, if you're putting Eaton back in center field, which they appear to be doing, um, he might be bad in center field. Like he was, he was good in right field this year. He was electric in right yeah, field. He has no track record of being good defensively in center, at least according no. to so that's the using, so. that's a risk for sure if you're Washington and one that I think if you're a Braves fan and we are and we want the Braves to do well uh I think I'm gonna say I'm happy this happened um Boris 20s but if you are a Braves fan that wants to uh fa- fancy yourself as a 2017 optimist mm-hmm. um you know the Nats are better today than they were last week and that's that's a worrisome if you want to think about it that way good luck to you if you're a Braves fan optimistic for 2017 well, you can be optimistic, <laughs> but not, not about beating the Nationals in 2017. Yeah. I think if uh, I'm cool with people that want to talk about winning somewhere in the mid 80s and maybe sneaking into that second wild card discussion, that's like <laughs> at least semi conceivable yeah, to me. Okay. I don't feel that way, but it's at least like in the realm of possibility. Okay, crazy guy, Brad. Yeah, no, you know what I mean, though? Like, <laughs> no, that's I, at least, I see. If everything goes perfectly, well, I'm sure that could happen. Yeah, you could talk me into like the perfect scenario where the Braves win 86 games. That's at least conceivable. Uh, what's not conceivable is being better than the Washington Nationals in 2017. That's yeah. not happening. No. Um, the Nats are probably going to be the favorite in the in the NL outside of the Cubs. So in the NL East, it'll be the Nats as the huge Vegas favorite to begin the season. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably have the second, maybe third behind the Dodgers in terms of World Series odds in the National League behind the Cubs, of course. But uh that's a that's a tall hill to climb for next year and probably the year after that and we'll see what happens with Harper after that. Yeah, hopefully he gets out of the division. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> uh, you know, Brace, Brace fans hate, hate Bryce Harper, so it, uh, <laughs> just the sheer mention of him will will certainly uh, send some uh, frenzy down people's spines here. But um, I wanted to, uh, we do have to move on back to uh, Braves country. Uh, a move that uh, you and I kind of saw coming a mile away, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, Williams Perez is no longer a member of the Atlanta Braves. Um, I kind of feel bad. Let me say that I, I feel, feel bad. bad. Wow, that's I do. I was really excited to talk about this because I feel like we've really roasted Williams Perez. Well, that's for the thing. I now. mean, we're gonna be excited to talk about it because <laughs> we have done that. I just feel bad because I feel like he's the guy we always mention as the guy who um is the throwaway kind of player mm-hmm. um, that we don't want in the rotation. Whereas he was not the only guy that fit that bill. He's just the easiest example. So I feel bad in that sense that we've talked about him yeah. negatively for so long, but. This is the right move because he's not very good at baseball. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think so. I mean, it was only a year ago in 2015 that me and a certain other someone were sitting in the press box making fun of Williams Perez's stuff as a major league starter. Um, and yeah, I, I really never saw it with him in 2015. I know 2016, he had 11 starts with the team again, put up a 6.04 ERA. Like, if he's not locating his fastball perfectly, and then his changeup is also on, and his curveball, he's locating that, which his curveball has never been really impressive to me. It's been his, it's, it's his worst pitch, in my opinion, at least when I was watching him on a regular basis. Like, he has to have everything going perfectly for him, for him to be a solid pitcher, and, and that hasn't been the case, really, uh, outside of a few starts. So, I mean, this is a minor move, but we've talked about him a lot, so... I, I mean, I, I feel for him a little bit, but he definitely had more than more than enough opportunity to kind of solidify himself as a major league starter, and it just doesn't look like that's what he is. So, yeah, I mean, he struck out five point two eight batters per nine innings over one hundred and seventy major league innings. Like, you can't do that, no. Unless unless you're just the lights out best control pitcher of all time, which he is not. And you're uh, also be- limiting home runs, which he is not. Yeah, I mean, he had that one early stretch, you know, two years ago in which he was uh, basically bad his way to success. 
And uh, we all knew uh, people like you and I, and people on our site on Talking Chop, and uh, people that were more yeah, we cinema- baseball knew. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But <laughs> we all knew that was not going to sustain, and it didn't because his stuff's just not good enough. Um, you know, Perez wouldn't shock me if he was on a major league team again mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I just don't think it's going to be the Braves, obviously. And uh, he'll be 26 in May. Uh, you know, so all hope is not lost. He could be a professional baseball player for a, quite a quite a while longer. But not a good one. Uh, I think we, I think we, we would definitely agree on that. And the Braves again needed a, need uh, needed the forty man spot at least in their minds. So this is a way to do that. Um, and with that, we should talk about the guy who's going to be essentially replacing him. Hold on, really quick. Let's let's just take a look at the uh, the most the most wonderful moment of Williams Perez's career, oh, which is that, uh, that that early stretch in two thousand fifteen from May twentieth, uh, which is when he first started uh, pitching in the rotation for the Braves, to June fifteenth. He had a stretch of six starts where he posted a 1.46 ERA and threw 37 innings. I'm going to let you guess wow. how many strikeouts he had in 37 innings, a 1.46 ERA. Uh, without, starts, looking, without looking, I'm going to say 16. Oh, okay. You're way under. He had 29. But still, that's, Which is that's actually pretty good. I mean, it's okay, but like him doing that well while still not even yeah, that's, that many batters that's... with a bad bip of 302 like he that was a miracle how that happened to be honest well yeah i mean again we <laughs> you, you and i both remember i mean i didn't know the specific numbers but yeah. we all remember when he was supposed to be this good pitcher early on it was like oh well this perez is good and it's like no he just I'm has a good era yeah it's not good at baseball <laughs> uh and you know i again i feel bad for poking this much fun at him oh, but sorry, because uh, he lost his job, you don't want that to happen to guys. You know, we want, we, we we definitely root for players to get paid money. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, so hopefully Williams slashes on somewhere. But uh, he was not going to be in the rotation uh, after everything that happened, which is very very nice considering he should have been in the rotation last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. With uh, Williams Perez gone. Which which was do you think? Or which are you more sad is gone? Williams Perez or top prospect Ryan Weber? Oh, Ryan Weber for sure. Because Ryan Weber, like I actually think has still has a higher ceiling than Williams Perez, <laughs> which says all you need to know about Williams Perez. Yeah. Uh, Cause we, we've oh, made fun yeah. of Ryan and Ryan Weber got non-tendered or something by the, by the Mariners cut yeah, something Mariners cut uh, to make some space. So um, both guys are now on the market. Um, I think I, if, if you ask me, oh, who I, who I, yeah, if the Braves <laughs> had to sign one of these guys and you made me pick which one I would tell the Braves to sign Ryan Weber. So that yeah. tells you all you need to know. All right. Fair enough. Let's get um, yeah, let's move on, Williams <laughs> Perez. I'm sorry, Williams. Uh, this will be the last time, maybe, that we talk about you. Maybe not. Maybe we'll, maybe, maybe when, when we're bored in like uh, February, we'll, we'll talk about Williams Perez. <laughs> um, uh, the Braves did add a player this week. Aside from the uh, Jenkins trade we talked about earlier, they added Armando Rivero in the Rule 5 draft. This is a very interesting one because he's going to be 29 years old at the start of the season, which is a lot older than you, your normal Rule 5 guy would be. Um, but he's a bullpen arm. Uh, struck out almost 14 batters per nine innings last year in AAA. Uh, I believe it's the Iowa. Was the Iowa Cubs? Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. That's correct. And uh, has some command issues. Walks a lot of people, but has a big arm. And uh, you know, is a guy. So, any thoughts here aside from the numbers? I, I know I, re- I read a few scouting reports that were mixed. I want to know if you read anything or if you have any thoughts here. Uh, I think this is just more of the same uh, kind of brave strategy, just getting really. High upside, or not? Maybe not high upside here, but just really toolsy guys, people that can throw the ball, people that are capable of striking out batters, and the Braves just kind of hoping they can, they can figure them out and help them limit their walks and turn them into a valuable piece. I mean, if you look at baseball today, it seems like the best thing you can do is find a reliever that was like a no-name guy and turn him into the next Andrew Miller. Because I mean, before Andrew Miller was the, the stud that he is now, he was a guy who struggled in the rotation and was moved into the bullpen. So if, if you can kind of find that guy, you've just got a really uh, valuable commodity in baseball that you could flip or, or use to have success with your own team. So I mean, this is a guy that probably has the stuff that he's capable of maybe turning into that. It's just a matter of how he develops. I mean, you said he's 29 years old, 28 years old right now. So uh, not much of a prospect in my eyes, but it's something that it's kind of interesting to see uh with the Braves and, and their history of kind of developing pitchers. So we'll see what they can do. Yeah, this has got to be a spot where they think he at least has a chance to make the team this year in the bullpen because at his age, like it's not really a speculative ad. Like he's been good in the minors the last few years. You know, 2015 was sort of a down year, but last year, uh, 2.13 ERA, 2.84 FIP at AAA with the Cubs. 
uh, in 43 games, 67 innings. So uh, a lot of multi-inning stuff, which is interesting mm-hmm. um, from a guy like this who throws this hard. You don't really expect to see a lot of ton- a lot of multi-inning stuff, but uh, could be a, a piece the Braves are at least evaluating for the bullpen um, in a couple of months when we get to spring training. He'll definitely be in spring training because that's you know you don't go out and get a guy in Rule Five and have him not have a chance. But uh, for the most part, this is just a name to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's probably five or six guys that we'd be we, that we would be surprised if they, if they were not in the bullpen. But there'll there'll be a spot or two that are open, and it could be Armando Rivera. We never really know if he, if he clicks. As you said, this stuff looks to be pretty real if they can He's sort of out, figure out the uh, walk out stuff. Fourteen batters for nine at AAA. Over sixty-seven innings. I mean, that seems pretty legit to me. Obviously, he's it's not a fluke either. Like, like he's he's always struck. He struck out twelve point four per nine over four minor league seasons. So that's real. Yeah. So we'll see. They'll, he'll definitely be an eye to, or, or a name to keep an eye on, like you said. But I feel like the Braves just have a lot of guys who just have lots of stuff and are just really raw as pitchers. So this could be a, uh, a really good bullpen, or it could be really bad. Yeah, Quality and we'll see. For me. No, that's true. I mean, the bullpens are, I think, more than anything, bullpens are more volatile year to year. And there are a bunch of guys, like I think Scott Coleman and I were talking about this the other day. Um, there's a scenario where the Braves, if everything pops, are pretty awesome in the bullpen yeah. this year. Like if Shea Simmons comes back and uh, Roydis is healthy and Mauricio right, Cabrera right. figures it out. Like there, And, you know, Ian Kroll was good last year. I mean, there's J- Jim Johnson was good last year. There's, st- there's stuff going on here where the Braves could be awesome in the bullpen. That's at least conceivable. Or they could have everybody blow up. Um, and year to year, it's tough to project, and we'll probably be really excited about the, about the bullpen in April, uh, regardless of what happens. And then they might be awful, or they might be good. <laughs> we'll see. There's <laughs> there's a few guys that I'm pretty confident, in, like Aroidas. If Aroidas is healthy, he's going to be good. Um, Jim Johnson, I think we kind of know is pretty good. Um, but aside from that, you know, Ian Kroll was good last year, but before that, you know, you kind of don't really know. Um, We'll, we'll be picking and choosing, but uh, I think the big takeaway here is that it would not be surprising if Armando Rivera was around, um, but it would not be surprising to me if he was not around by the by the uh, April or May either. So we'll we'll see how this works. Yeah, a lot of variance with this one. We'll see. I mean, the guy's older than you. Uh, <laughs> most most are still. That's true, still but like, that. yeah, Rule Five. He's yeah. a lot older than you. He's almost as old as me, which tells you all you need to know. Um, he's old. <laughs> Yes, that's very, very <laughs> old. Uh, before we get into some prospect stuff, there is a little bit of uh, rumor mill stuff still happening, although it's definitely dying out, I would mm-hmm. say, which is fine. Um, Jose Quintana was the name that kind of uh, bubbled up this week in terms of he's the other pitcher for the White Sox who's also awesome. Um, he was the biggest biggest name tied to the Braves in a couple of different uh, reporting and pieces. Uh, the Braves have the pieces that they want to go out and get Quintana. And because the White Sox, that we talked about earlier, are really selling, this is the team that transformed their top four prospects in 36 hours. Mm-hmm. And Quintana is very, very good and under control for four more years at less than a total of $40 million. So if the Braves want to go get another high-end pitcher, he might be a good target. The problem, though, is I think, at least there's been some reporting on this, um, the Braves seem to have uh, zeroed in on Chris Sale for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's because they really want a legitimate number one, and they're willing to pay for one. But if it's not a legitimate number one, they're going to probably take it take it slower, and I don't think Quintana is actually that. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but I'm glad you said uh, his name so much because I'm just going to go ahead and blast you for the pronunciation of his last name because I'm almost positive that it's Quintana, not Quintana. See, I almost went with that, <laughs> but you know what? I, and- I give up. And Baseball References uh, pronunciation guide seems to show that it's Quintana as well. And I uh, trust them, so I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been cool to see, uh, or I guess it's still a possibility, but it would be cool to see Quintana uh, and Julio Tehran in the Braves rotation. Uh, these are two guys who are pitching for Columbia in the World Baseball Classic. And uh, I think there's an argument to be made that, while I think it's pretty obvious that Quintana is not as good of a pitcher as Chris Sale, he could be more valuable than Chris Sale. Given his contract, uh, Fangraphs did a post with the uh, the surplus value of Quintana, Sale, and I believe uh, Archer was the last one. I, th- I'm pr- I think Quintana was like the most valuable for his contract and what he's done uh, over the past few years. But this guy's a workhorse. He's thrown 200 or more innings the past four seasons. Uh, he's a legit number two guy. Uh, his ERA is 3.41 for his career, so that's a very solid pitcher. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys which is probably why the Braves weren't as interested in getting him as a, as a guy like Sale. But he's definitely a piece that would be, um, I, I believe, more in the timeline with the with what I think the Braves should be looking for than a guy like Sale. But again, 
with the amount that you're going to have to give up for him. I don't think now is the right time to do that. Um, I was surprised that the Braves were in on so many of these top of the rotation pitchers as the winter meetings kind of wore on. But uh, I'm kind of glad, to be honest, now that it seems like they're not really going for it. Yeah, I don't know. It's Colton's actually a guy I would I would really like them to get in on. Mm-hmm. It's just whether how it's whether the asking price matches because for you know credit to Chicago, they've gotten huge wins on both of their both of the trades they pulled off. Oh, yeah. So if if their asking prices are that high, then you know no thanks. But if for some reason they you know undervalue Quint- Quintana, sorry. Quintana compared to uh, the market, then yeah, the Braves should at least be talking about it. I have a feeling they were definitely calling and probably getting uh, an asking price that was astronomical. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, there's no sense in, in worrying about that because of the team control that you said, you know, four more years, that, this is a guy you want, if, you know, there's, if you have him and Julio Tehran as your number one and two, neither one of those guys are ones, but they're both super quality twos. valuable contracts, both of them. Yeah, super valuable. I mean, that would be a great pairing to have. Long time. Same thing with Chris Archer, who I, I think is probably not a one either. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a one He had a one like season two years ago. Oh, really? But, so um, you don't think he's a number one? I, You know, maybe. I think we saw last year, though, that not, he's not necessarily that. Like, he was yeah. good last year, but it was more of a, even if you ignore the ERA and sort of the win-loss, you know, all that stuff, and look beyond it, the advanced stuff, mm-hmm. all the, the numbers were still good, but not like okay. uber elite That's top fair. 15 guy either. Um, so I think Archer is a higher ceiling guy than Quintana. There's no, there's no question about that. Quintana, I would say, is probably safer given his track record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a little, it's a little bit longer, but, you know, a lot more innings on, the, on that arm. So that's the one concern there with him is that he is he has been a workhorse. And, you know, you kind of worry about guys breaking down. But He's also younger than Archer, which is kind of which Yeah, that blew me away when I heard it the yeah. first time. I was like, wait, he's younger than Chris Archer? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd be all in on Quintana. It's just whether whether or not the Braves uh, want to pay the King's ransom that I'm sure the White Sox are asking for. And, look, just because winter meetings are over does not mean this stuff is dead. There's yeah. no question the Braves could pull another big move. But I think what the, what the stuff that they've already done this offseason, it kind of lessens the urgency, and they know that. Copy's not in any hurry at this point. You know, Now that we're through the winter meetings, that's kind of the one major hub time where everybody's around. Now it's going to be more intermittent phone calls and that kind of stuff. And you can see the Braves uh, might be tempering it down, and I think they're probably cool with going into the year how they are right now. But if they get an offer that they can't refuse, then sure, send me a send me a Jose Quintana because mm-hmm. I, I can pitch. He, he's very, very good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the other name that kind of popped up was uh, Tyson Ross. Yeah, um, who you know, you, you know better than I do, I think, yeah. for being around the Padres. So I'll, I'll defer to you here. But this is a guy who's not healthy, but when he has been healthy lately, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I was surprised with how the Padres handled uh, Ross because, I mean, he just the way the, the organization talked about him the whole year. Basically, I was uh, hearing every single day Tyson Ross updates with his recovery and his rehab um, from his shoulder injury. And every single day... It was like, okay, Tyson's, he threw a bullpen today. We'll see how he feels tomorrow. And there was just setback after setback. I mean, he had one random freak injury where he like sprained his ankle while like stretching in a hotel room or something. And he couldn't pitch for like three weeks. And that set his rehab back. But it was like the, at first, Andy Green was hoping to get him back at some point in August. Then it was, okay, maybe we'll get him back at some time in September. And then it was, okay, maybe he's going to pitch this year. So the Padres definitely know more about his health situation than other teams just because they've been dealing with him the whole year. But this is a guy who, when he's healthy, is a really good pitcher. Uh, in 2014, he posted a 2.1, 2.81 ERA over 195 innings. And then the next season, 2015, he wasn't as good, but that's still a 3.26 ERA over 196 innings. Uh, I mean, he's a good, valuable pitcher when he's healthy, but that's going to be the big question for him. Um, with teams deciding on whether or not they want to pick him up, uh, what his health is going to be like. So a lot's going to depend on what teams can find out there. Um, his rehab, like I said, was not good by any means. It was setback after setback. So uh, this is kind of a maybe a little bit of a risk for a team, but you could wind up with a really good pitcher. He's only 29 years old, so I'd imagine he's still got some stuff in the tank if he can get back on the mound. But I would be interested in the Braves picking up a guy like this. What were your thoughts when you yeah. talked about it? It's worth a shot. It's just one of those things where how healthy is he? We, we don't know. I mean, the two of us can't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves, I'm sure, have been looking into that. Um, it's worth noting that I only saw this in one place. It was DOB reporting it. So um, we don't know in terms of how interested the Braves were. And even that, even when, even the report was kind of like mm-hmm. they expressed some interest and not knowing how much interest. Um, but Ross would be, you know, 
a guy who could be very, very good. You know, from 2013 to 2015 was very, very good for about two and a half, three years um, before he got the injury stuff. And if you add that kind of, you know, volatile piece, but a high upside guy, yeah. it's not a shot, but it's just it's just the contract stuff. How much can he get elsewhere? Uh, he was in line for, what, nine, nine or ten million? Yeah, it was uh, a little over nine million. Yeah, and, I know the Padres are interested in bringing him back. Preller was quoted saying they were still interested, just not at that price. So I'm guessing that's kind of what, what most of the teams were thinking. They didn't want to trade for him uh, at that price, given what they knew about his health. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and for how much. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a shot and, and, and at least a discussion about the Braves because they have uh, a full rotation worth of arms plus, plus some young guys. Uh, they don't have any urgency to go out and overpay mm-hmm. or do anything crazy for Tyson Ross, but he's he's a guy who I th- who I would argue has a much higher upside than you know most of their pitch- most of their current crop of pitchers. Um, we saw that over a two or three year sample there where he was a, a legit you know low three ERAs guy, mm-hmm. um, and while I'm not sure that's what he's going to be post injury, and they wouldn't they wouldn't be either. That would be the type of guy where. Taking a risk, i.e., what they did with Garcia, obviously in a different way, because Garcia has a long injury history, mm-hmm. whereas Ross is really just this one set of injuries. Um, I, you know, I, it would be easy to argue that Ross is more concerning because he hasn't pitched in a year plus now, at least yeah. at a real level, whereas Garcia was at least uh, capable last year. But it's a similar risk. It's just you know he had to trade for one guy versus what you're facing with Ross mm-hmm. as a different situation. But uh, adding a piece like that, something the Braves just have already just shown this offseason that they have a stomach for to give a guy a chance that has injury problems so maybe worth keeping an eye on especially if the longer ross is unemployed i think it's the higher chance um the braves could begin on him because his asking price will have to come down you'd, you'd think yeah for sure uh it, those of you who don't know ross was uh, the potter's opening day starter this year and he got injured in that start after five and a third innings i believe he threw two innings in 2016 uh in high a and kind of a rehab a rehab assignment, and then he was kind of shut down after that again. So he's pitched in the minors this year, but uh, just two two outs worth of an inning. So definitely a lot of risk uh, involved in him and how much he can actually throw the ball at this point. So yeah, I mean thoracic outlet syndrome I surgery. Even, I was I was literally hearing about this the whole summer, and I don't even know what that means to be honest. So yeah, I mean I figured you were around it, but that's that's certainly something. That's uh. Not an injury you hear about a lot. So, well, keep an eye on Tyson Ross. It's an intriguing name that I did not expect to hear association with the Braves. But when he got non-tendered, it became uh, at least intriguing. We should get Dr. Uh, Andrews on the podcast next week, see if he can explain that to us. Um, yeah. If you have a tie, you have a tie. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have a tie to James Andrews, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in for it. All right. Um, That's our next but, task. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Let's move on to the last thing I think for today, and that's going to be that Baseball America uh, came up with their top ten prospects list on Friday. We should note that our, our own Talking Chop pro- preseason prospect list, led by Eric Cole, uh, the guru of all Atlanta Braves prospects, is going to start rolling out this week. So that's a good plug for us. The first, uh, the honorable mentions come out on on uh, Monday. As you're probably listening to this on Monday, and uh, the top twenty-five begins on Tuesday. So we're going to place a lot more stock in those because those are our numbers. But as a little primer. Uh, the Baseball America Top 10 came out on Friday, and I, there was some interesting stuff. So I'll read the Top 10 to you here, um, and then we'll, I'll let you go to town on any any, any thoughts you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dansby Swanson, number one, as we might expect. Um, you know, that's the easy one. Uh, Ozzy Albies, number two. Colby Allard, number three. Mike Soroka, number four. Ian Anderson, number five. Ronald Acuna, number six. Kevin Maiton, a surprising, surprisingly low in my mind, number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Newcomb, number eight. Patrick Weigel, number nine. And Max Fried, number ten. Thoughts, sir? Uh, yeah, a quick, a quick few first impressions I had when seeing this was um, first Sean Newcomb being at number eight. Uh, I know we've had a lot of talk about the pitchers, Colby Allard, Ian Anderson, and Sean Newcomb. In general, I feel like are thought of as the the organization's top three arms. Normally, Sean Newcomb is uh, nearer to the top of that list than the other guys just because uh, Newcomb is in AAA at this point. So I think it's uh, worth noting how Colby Allard and Ian Anderson are both ahead of Newcomb. I think that speaks a little bit to uh, Newcomb's struggles to throw strikes in AAA. Um, The second one that popped out to me was Ronald Acuna. I know Acuna is a guy who gets a lot of love around talking chop. Uh, who Braves uh, people are right, rightfully excited about. Uh, I was surprised to see him at six. Maybe that speaks to just me 
not being as in as high on Akuna as most people are, but he definitely is deserving of that spot, I feel like. And then Maiton, uh, being at seven, probably that was surprising to me, but also I feel like with Baseball America, they, in general, um, kind of give guys credit for being closer to actually being a valuable major league player than maybe some other uh, outlets or individual prospect writers do. A lot of people are really high on tools and ceiling, uh, and Maiton is definitely a guy that has probably the highest ceiling of anyone in the system, but he's also much more unlikely to actually get to that level as opposed to guys like Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Alves who are knocking on the door. So I guess that's what you can you can kind of take that Maiton number seven spot um, with a grain of salt there, uh, just knowing knowing kind of how they evaluate their guys and how they do their rankings a little bit. Um, but I didn't have any any huge problems with it. What did what did you think when it came out? I had no beefs either, not huge ones. I think, you know, I was I was actually encouraged to see Soroka so high. That's a guy I love. I know Eric loves mm-hmm. Anderson's a guy I like a lot. Acuna is, is a divisive figure. Um, MLB Pipeline, for instance, has Acuna at number seventeen which is a big gap. Um, mm-hmm. Even in a loaded system like the Braves do, an 11-spot gap is pretty surprising. Yeah, I, but before you go there, I think it's important to note real quick that J.J. Uh, Cooper with um, Baseball America did say that with the Braves system, um, I believe he said the, the difference in their number three prospect and their number 16 prospect on Baseball America's list, list was, was smaller than he thought. Here's the actual tweet. He said, um, are there deserving Braves prospects we left off the top 10? Yes, number 16 on Braves list isn't far behind number 3. So uh, just because these guys are all separated a ton in the Braves organization doesn't mean that um, the number 16 guy is actually like 16 spots worse than someone might be in another system. So I think that's worth pointing out, just the depth of this system. But go on. It's it's definitely worth pointing out. I just thought it was interesting because and yeah. I think as soon as it came out, a lot of Braves fans were like, whoa, Acuna's 6, and then they realized, oh, Pipeline, 17, interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a big gap, but I'm no problem with it. I think Weigel is a guy that it's probably talked about. Not very, not very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, at least in my experience, he's a guy who's probably undercovered at least by me and people around. So to see him in the top 10 was, was interesting. Freed's a guy people love. So yeah, no, no outright craziness for sure here. I think there's, I have more issues with some pipeline stuff than I do with baseball America. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, but that's not surprising. I think I'm normally more in line with those guys than anything else, but, um, Worth, worth 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 passing along. I think Eric was uh, said he basically said that he had no problems with it. Also, but you know, I think our list is going to look different. That's kind of how these things work, especially in a load system. So it's not nothing's too easy outside of Dan's being, being number one. Mm-hmm. I think anything else is kind of fair game. I think you know, Albies is the obvious number two. But um, my feelings on Albies are kind of out there now, and that I'm not as impressed with him as some other people are. Mm-hmm. So if you put him somewhere else, I wouldn't lose my mind or anything. But Soroka four as my guy, so I'm I'm in on that. I'm stealing that from Eric. It's, 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 he's, he's, Eric got, he's Eric's guy forever. Mm-hmm. But um, encouraged to see him that high. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. pretty much all I have. It's I'm just really excited to, uh, to see where Eric has our list tomorrow. Uh, I know if you're listening, you can probably already see it. Like Brad mentioned, at least the first part of our uh, top 25 is going to start on Tuesday, but the Arnold mentions on Monday. So uh, maybe you'll see a guy like... Some of these, uh, some of these guys at the back end of the top ten. Who knows? Maybe they'll just be honorable mentions on uh, Eric's list. It'll be interesting to see. I guess that I'm, would surprise I'm me. To see where Luke Jackson is, if he's an honorable mention. Yeah, Pipeline has him at twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed a little bit higher to me than I thought it would be, judging by his, yeah, here, by his body here, of work. Here are but... the names that uh, Pipeline has after Luke Jackson: Akil Morris, Patrick Weigel, AJ Minter, Christian Pache, Brett Cumberland, Darian Cruz. Michael Mater, I'd probably put at least four guys ahead of Luke Jackson, just right off the top of my head. But which four? Which four, Carlos? Uh, it would probably be Weigel, Minter, uh, Darian Cruz, and Pache. Yeah, I mean Weigel, another guy with a massive split. I mean Weigel's twenty-five on Pipeline and nine for Baseball America, mm-hmm. so like that's a big split. Um, also, you know, guys like Braxton Davidson. Uh, are still in the top twenty-ish. Some places, people, some other people, kind of don't like mm-hmm. him anymore. Since twenty on pipeline right now. Um, AJ Mentor was twenty-six on pipeline, and people think he might be like an opening day bullpen guy mm-hmm. uh, with with some serious bullpen upside. So I don't know. This stuff's always interesting to talk about. I plan on having Eric on. We should have Eric on soon yeah. to talk about the uh, prospect list and all that stuff. Considering it's now sort of a deader period in time, but um, 
worth getting it out there as a little little preview and a way to uh, bump and promote our own uh, prospect list. So um, that's coming, folks. Uh, be, be on the lookout for the prospect list because uh, that's always a fun thing, and I will learn as much as you guys will, I promise. Yeah, same here. I'm excited for that. Uh, prospect talk is always fun around Braves country, especially this time of the year where kind of the trade rumors are starting to die down a little bit. Uh, so there's always something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting, man. Prospect stuff's always fun because you get the divisiveness. It's good for arguments, and it's always good for offseason fodder. So we'll have to do that oh, again shortly. You know what's even more interesting about uh, Baseball America's uh, top ten list on their insider? They always do a, a, a best tools list. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Tell only me. the only player on the Braves list who was the best in multiple tools – Take a guess. If you had to guess one guy, so it's I'll give you the categories real quick, run down a few of them. Best hitter for average, best power hitter, best strike zone discipline, fastest base runner, uh, best defensive catcher, best defensive infielder, best infield arm, best defensive outfielder, and best outfield arm. Those are all the uh, tools for position players at least. There's one position player who has who takes the crown in two of these categories. Who do you think that player is? Ozzy. Wow. I was hoping that you wouldn't get it just because you've been more down on Ozzy than others. But if yes, you had, right. if you had listed the categories, I would not have guessed it. But when which, I was thinking which, about it, which two do you think he has? I'll list them. Again. Do you want me to list them again? Or do yeah, list them again. I, 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 two of them popped out to me. That's what, that's okay. why I, that's why I got it. But right, go ahead. Go. Best hitter for average, best power hitter, best strike zone discipline, fastest base runner. Okay. Best, that's one. Okay. Best athlete. Best defensive catcher, best defensive infielder, best infield arm, best defensive outfielder, and best outfield arm. Okay, I'm gonna guess that Albies has the has the speed one. And, base runner. Yeah, and I'm gonna say hitter for average. All right, you're one of two. Uh, they said Ozzy was the best hitter for average, but not the fastest base runner. They have, is that Acuna? They have Anthony Seymour. Oh, Anthony Seymour. See, he is fast. Yeah. Okay, Anthony Seymour is like a pure like speed mm-hmm. old. Yeah. So that makes sense. You okay. A, you want to take a second guess now? Wait, are stuff. they counting Dan? Are they counting Dansby? Dansby, yes. He he is the best defensive infielder. So that one's off. Your Wait, list. they 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 have Albies as a better as a better anything hitting than Dansby Swanson. It's not hitting. Okay. Oh, infield defense. No, that's that's Dansby, best defensive. Infielder. Oh, you just said that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Tell best me, infield I'm... arm, Ozzy. Really? Yeah, that's fun. Interesting. Huh? Yeah, that's. I guess that's not terribly shocking because I've always heard that his arm is really strong. It's just he's yeah, I feel the, the same. Dansby doesn't have like the like monster arm. Like he has a good arm, but like not a monster one. And none of the other guys. Now look, I mean, looking at the list now, it kind of makes sense because you know Demerit's got a decent arm. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know about Maiton's arm enough to know anything at this point. He's supposed to have and, a pretty strong one as well. Yeah, but aside from, I mean, okay, I'm not like outraged by always having the most strong arm. It's just that's just weird. The other thing think. I was interested in this best tools list is their their pitcher uh, tools as well. Best fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and control. And Tuki Toussaint did not get a single one of these, which speaks to the depth of the Braves pitching, which is exciting. So I, I don't know if this is a uh, Free on Baseball America, so I don't want to kind of give away everything. If you if you're curious right. to see their whole list, go check it out on their site. Definitely worth the read, and it's it's always I think honestly the best tools list is one of the most fun things I think t- to just look at and kind of see. It's it's fun to talk about, um, but go check that out if you haven't already. They also have a projected 2020 lineup, which they have done for a while now, which is kind of just an interesting uh, interesting game to play with. Uh, never really works out because so many players we should do that on the show like as a show yeah 2020 lineup would be fun we could do that do that sometime we can we are in charge of this podcast sir (laughs) you and i uh all right well let's let's get out of here carlos before i let you roll anything you want to plug uh, aside from the from the prospect list that we just plugged uh, endlessly on talkingchop.com is there anything else you want to get out there just the normal uh stuff uh, no yeah just uh follow me on twitter at carlos a Colazzo for some some braves talk some unc talk i know the tar heels barely got away with a win over the uh terrifying tennessee volunteer basketball program so oh yeah that was that was a, that was a nail biter my friend yeah it's not looking great i don't know if we're gonna get to a national championship again but if you want to talk about unc struggles on the basketball court you can hit me up on twitter as well as uh braves talk of course uh <laughs> and then look out for me on the site as well at talking chop we're gonna have a bunch of fun stuff this week 
as as most weeks are filled with fun stuff at Talking Chop. But that's all I have for you. For sure. And uh, same for me uh, at BT Roland. I've not been uh, doing as much baseball writing lately. Uh, I apologize to everyone for that. It's been a lot of football and basketball for me. Yeah, it's been a lot of. Uh, I have other. I have other responsibilities, but I'll be back and do some more stuff uh, coming up. Now that football is kind of winding down, that will help me get back into baseball mode. And uh, uh, yeah, just follow the site. I talking chop on Twitter, on Facebook. I talking chop. Uh, I am at BT Roll, as I just said. Carlos at Carlos at Colazzo. Um, subscribe to the podcast, everybody, if you can, uh, on iTunes. Even if you listen to it somewhere else, subscribe and download it on iTunes. That really help us. Leave a five star review and a, and a uh, rating. All those things uh, that really help us grow the show. And uh, we're also on SoundCloud, as you probably can see um, when this when this podcast posts on TalkingChop.com. It's embedded with SoundCloud. That's our hosting site. So uh, check us out as there, check us out there as well. And uh, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, if you want us to get on a different on a different spot like Stitcher or something like that, let us know. We'll do our we'll do our best to get it on a different platform for you if you'd like it. I'm uh, I'm here for you guys. So. Carlos, I thank you, thank you once again for doing this. I'm glad to have you back uh, two weeks in a row of full-time podcasting. And uh, everybody else, man, join us again next week. We'll be back with another episode of the Talking Chop Podcast, so stay tuned.